MLM Nation, episode 178. We all think that we're sharing a product and a company and things like that with people, but truth, what you're really sharing with people is an opportunity for them to change their current situation in life. And if you focus on that before the product and the presentation, then you have a chance to get them to join. And if you don't, I think your numbers are going to be much less. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chan. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. Hey, MLM Nation, if you want some help and want to mentor in your business with some no BS, no hype, direct coaching, check out MLM Nation Insider. All members, not only do they get an email and ask me questions and learn how I build a six-figure residual income business, even though I'm retired from it, doing MLM Nation still pays me. I'll be, I'll help you. Uh, you can email me any questions you want. Unlimited number of questions. I answer them live on the weekly webinar. And even if you can't make it the webinar live, I record the answers to you and send it to you. So check out MLM Nation Insider. Member Members also get a lot of benefits, like all my implementation guides, where they sell for $47 on my website. You get it for free as a member. Uh, and right now, for MLM Nation listeners only, you can get a dollar trial, one dollar trial for seven days. You can just go to MLMNationInsider.com. Okay, you can't find this on the website. You have to go to MLMNationInsider.com and you can test out the free dollar trial and ask me some questions. All right, so go check that out and let me know how it can help you. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I am fired up to bring our special guest today, Michael Zapier. Mike, are you ready to make it happen? <laughs> I'm ready. As a kid, Michael Zappia had ambitions to be a professional football player, and he actually was a member of the Seattle Seahawks for eight days before being cut. His journey led him to network marketing, where he eventually became a top earner for his company. At one point, he was earning over 100000 a month in his business. Michael is also an inspirational speaker, a trainer, and a mentor. He's currently writing a book called The Path Changers, which is dedicated to the distributors and everyone in the network marketing community. So, Michael, I've given MLM Nation just a brief intro, but please share more about your background, especially being a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, well, that was, that was one of the highlights of my life. Obviously, uh, I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, and um, I think the goal when you're from Buffalo, New York, is to get out. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been there before, Simon. You're from Brooklyn, correct? I'm from Brooklyn, but I know about the Buffalo Winters. Yeah, the Buffalo Winters are not fun, but uh, it's a great place to grow up, a great place to be raised. All I remember from my childhood was uh, playing sports, even skipping school to go play sports. So I, sports was all I really wanted to do, and and uh, from a young age, I just was very competitive and, and had to be the best in everything I did, and I think I carried that, obviously, that characteristic over into every aspect of my life, including business and, and MLM. But um, football was a love of mine. It was my second love. Soccer was my first love. And I pursued it, pursued it for many, many years, uh, played in college at a small Division three school and ended up becoming um, a first-team All-American punter in 1997. And then I had a chance to legitimately get some workouts in the NFL. And that's when Seattle signed me and, and spent eight days there. It was a, a great experience, but um, never fully made it in the NFL. But I tasted it. and It was, uh, it was fun. So what happened after uh, you know being cut by the Seahawks? Did you try to you know hang around there, try to make it to the NFL? Uh, what did you do, and how did you eventually come across network marketing? 
You know, I, I, um, I started to juggle too many things in my life and I learned a, val- a valuable lesson that you can't, you have to put all your eggs in one basket sometime. I, I started to flirt around with the music industry and a little bit of acting and stuff like that at the same time. And, and what happened was as I was still training for the NFL, I didn't give it a hundred percent. Um, so I kept myself out there and I kept myself in the gym. And while at the gym one day in October of 2002, I was a personal trainer and uh, I chose that career because what a great way to earn a, a decent living while I can continue to train for my National Football League career that was hopefully coming up. Um, and I actually didn't like being a personal trainer very much. After about six months of doing that, I, I was looking for something else and wasn't sure if the NFL uh, would beat down my door. So a guy walked up to me and literally changed my path and uh, prospected me. And he prospected me, asked me if I'd like to meet a multimillionaire. And I said, yes. And he said, he's starting a business. He's looking for sharp guys like you and I. And um, I said, I'm, I'm ready. I'm open-minded to this. Let's, let's go look at it. So that was when I came across the network marketing profession, the multi-level marketing industry. And I was so inspired by two multi-multi-multi-millionaires uh, from a, uh, a top 10 network marketing company of all time that I said I wanted that lifestyle for myself. And that was the beginning of my journey. So how do you uh, specific approach you? Do you remember in the gym? Uh, was he like a, like a client of yours? Was he just some guy working out in the gym? How do you approach you? What's the words that he used to get you, you know, interested? Great, great question, Simon, because I, I always teach people. I say, if you do what this man did, then uh, you could be successful. He was brilliant. I mean, it, the whole way he prospected me was uh, poetry in motion is what I would call it. First of all, I'll give you a little frame of reference. I, I knew the man. I had, um, I'd been in Vegas for a year or so at the time, a couple years at the time, and I had known about this gentleman named Warren Rosegreen, and I always credit him for my uh, success in the industry because I probably wouldn't have found the industry in the manner I did, which may have impacted whether or not I would have ever become successful. There's a reason for that, and that's all going to be a part of my book. But he um, was a basketball player for the UNLV Running Rebels, and um a very, very famous guy in town. And I had watched him play pickup basketball games. The guy was six foot four, about 220 pounds, and he could jump out of the gym. He had about a 48 and a half inch vertical. And in UNLV history, the guy was known as the greatest leaper of all time, the greatest jumper. So I knew who he was. So when he approached me at the gym, he didn't know who I was. And he complimented me. The very first thing he said to me, Simon, was, you know what? I like the way you personal train. And, and you know how it is whenever you compliment somebody and you give them sincere appreciation for who they are or what they do, um, that goes a long way. So I instantly liked him because he complimented me. Um, what a great thing to do. And he got me to listen to him. And then he asked me, do I love what I do? And I said, no. And um, at first I said, yes. And then he asked me again and I said, no. And uh, he said, well, you know, I have a friend of mine who's a multimillionaire who used to be a booster for the basketball program at UNLV. You know, he's starting a new business and he's looking for sharp guys like you and I. Do you keep an open mind? And I said, absolutely. And um, and really, truthfully, that's what got me. He complimented me. Then he asked me a couple questions if I loved what I did. And, of course, I eventually said no. And then number three, would you like to meet a multimillionaire friend of mine who's starting a new business? And I said yes. So I've really contemplated how incredibly perfect his prospecting was on me and have attempted to duplicate that in my years in this industry. Yeah, well, that must be a great compliment. He's, he liked the way you train, especially coming from a guy with 6'4", 220 pounds. Yeah, yeah, with a, with a body like a, a Greek god, too, just incredible shape. So you got involved right away with that company, and, and how did it go? 
No, I didn't get involved um, right away. It was interesting. You know, the company this man made millions with, he was a founder of, of like I said, one of the top companies of all time. I won't mention the name to keep this uh, conversation generic. Um, but he was there to tell us about a new company that was starting up down in Satellite Beach, Florida. And it, it had to do with a heart supplement, a supplement for your heart based on the nitric oxide um, miracle molecule that's in our body. And I got excited because my family had heart disease. So we did actually, actually, I did get started right away. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. And he really wasn't there to mentor or teach us. He was just there to kind of give us some wings and go knock it dead. He was retired. Uh, and then about a week later is when I met one of the legends of our industry, a gentleman by the name of Richard Call. And Richard built that company I was talking about. Uh, his organization had over 560,000 people in it at one point. I believe his his story is he put over 50,000 people in his organization in about six to 12 months. And um, that man got up on stage and just him telling his story was so inspirational for me that he pushed my button that day and the rest is history. So that man, you said his name was Richard Carr? Call, yeah. So he actually was, he owned the heart supplement company or he was uh, a distributor of that company? Um, he was just being asked to come in and speak about the industry. His name is so big in the industry that um, whenever a new company launched, I guess at the time, they looked for guest speakers. And, and this guy really had a way of moving a crowd like no other. He still does. So he came in to speak about that the industry of, of multi-level marketing and, and what it did for his life. And, and um, it was powerful. I see, but he was was he the original millionaire that the the Warren Rose Green uh, got you to connect with, or that was another guy? He was not actually. He was the best friend of the multimillionaire that Warren introduced me to. Got it. Now, I think it's very important to share this because it's networking is all about degrees of separation. Yes, right. It's like the friend of the friend of a friend, and now all of a sudden you're connected to Richard Hall. That's right. right. All, all because of some guy in the gym asked complimented you. That's it. Pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. So um, what happened at that uh, company? You joined the heart supplement company. Did you have success right away or had challenges? What happened? Um, you know, to say I had success right away, it would be, um, I don't know if that's a true statement because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, you know, Warren and I, I remember looking at Warren after this gentleman flew back to Boca Raton when Richard Call flew back to his hometown where he had been retired for over a dozen years. And Jerry went back to his house in Vegas, an 8,500-square-foot home, multi-multi-millionaire. They really weren't there to mentor or teach us a thing. They were there just to sign us up and, and set us free, which, as you know, can be very dangerous as a network marketer to come into a company with no sponsor whatsoever. Um, but Warren looked at me, and we're both highly competitive, athletic type of guys. So he looked at me, and I looked at him. I said, Warren, what do we do now? And he said, I don't know. And... Um, so what we naturally did, Simon, was all the things that you're supposed to do. We started meeting with people one-on-one. -on -one. We started inviting people over our home to simply share the story about the company and the products. And we didn't have anybody teach us how to do this. We were just so impressed with the products. We were taking the product ourselves, And we were so impressed with the success of these multi-multi-millionaires that all we knew how to do was exactly what we had experienced, which is just talk about the products and talk about the success that these two uh, new friends of mine had made. Uh, calling him a friend is a, is a loose statement. But, um, and we just bragged about the success these guys had, the lifestyle they had, and we talked about the benefits of the product and how people could get involved and, and um, potentially do the same thing that these men did. So as highly competitive athletes, we went out there and we started to build a nice little business, 30, 40, 50, 100 people. Within about... Two, three weeks, I ended up call, calling the marketing director of the company 
and his name was Mark Rosales. He became a mentor of mine as well. And I had to call him multiple times before he'd pick up the phone. It was it was kind of frustrating. When he finally answered the phone, he goes, Michael Zappia, who are you? And I said, I met you down in, in Vegas for the pre-launch for the company. And he said, oh, yeah, the Italian kid, the football player. And I said, yeah. I said, Mark, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I need help. I don't really have anybody teaching me down here. Me and Warren are doing meetings in people's homes and offices, and we really haven't a clue as to what's going on. And it's a funny story. He looked in the computer system, and he goes, who are you? And I go, Mark, I just told you I'm Michael Zappia from Las Vegas, Nevada. He goes, no. He goes, how long have you been in network marketing? And I just, I go, Mark, man, you must be having a tough time hearing what I'm saying here. I've only been in the industry for two weeks. I just met Jerry and Richard Call, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Michael, he goes, who taught you how to build a business like this? You're doing incredible. And the problem was, Simon, nobody told me what doing incredible was versus doing poorly was. So signing up 20, 30 people to me, I thought was pretty much the norm in about two weeks. And he goes, no, 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 you're you're doing exceptional, young man. Why don't I come down there? And how many people do you think you could put in a room for me to do a presentation? And I said, I don't know, 50? And he laughed at me. He goes, you think you can put 50 people in a room? You've only been in this for two weeks? And I go, yeah, I think I could put 50 people in a room. And he came down to the Monte Carlo and he passed by the room where all my people were because there were so many people in the room. He didn't believe it was my group. And he walked by again. I remembered what he looked like. And I said, Mark, where are you going? He said, is this your room? And I said, yeah, this is my room. And his eyes just lit up like golf balls. I don't think he meant to look surprised. He's like, Michael, there's over 60 people in this room. I said, yeah, you you told me pack the room. Here it is. Let's go. So that was kind of my entrance into the industry. And then from that point forward, Simon, um, when there's a teacher that's available for me, I'm going to pick his brain and I'm going to ask him questions. And Mark really became my first mentor. Um, and, and we took it from there. But I had a little bit of success in the beginning of that company. Very cool. And by the way, I miss talking to Italians from New York. You know, like just listening to your accent. I mean, I grew up in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And uh, I grew up with all my friends and dads. They spoke like you. So it's cool. It's refreshing. That's cool. I'm glad. <laughs> hey, um, so why do you think you had success while most distributors struggle? Like most people, they can't even get five guests to a room. Right, like Mark said, like he was very impressed by his success. What did you do differently that made it work for you? While well, others, I mean, a lot of our listeners here would love to have your success. What can they learn from you? Yeah, I've been asked this question a thousand times, and I've had to study this question. Um, there's there's many reasons, but number one, first and foremost, was my belief level. Uh, I think most people lack belief in one of four areas. They either lack belief in themselves, which usually is the case. Uh, people just are timid, they're scared, they're afraid to talk to people. And that all has to do with the fact that they probably don't believe in any one of the next three things. They don't believe in the company, um, they don't believe in the products, and they don't believe in the profession of network marketing or multi-level marketing. So I think my belief level, mainly because of my entrance into the industry, I mean, I always tell people, Simon, if everybody entered the industry the way that I did then everyone would be more successful or most likely more successful. And the reason being is I just told the story. I, I met a man who had a Bentley in his garage and, and a couple of Mercedes in the driveway and a Hummer and an 8,500 square foot home. And then a week after meeting him, I was introduced to a man that he was best friends with that made him look like a poor person. So for me, the belief in the industry was at an all-time high because here I am, brand new to the industry, rubbing elbows and shoulders with legends and icons of the industry. So there was nobody on the planet that could tell me that the profession didn't work. And on a side note, Simon, I'll share this with you. 
Um, I have a friend of mine who I've known for 17 years in Las Vegas. And at the time, his, his father's a multi-billionaire, just, you know, lives in Vegas. Um, his name is Robert Bigelow Sr. He owns all the budget suites of America's uh, daily, weekly, monthly motel hotels all throughout the western part of our country mainly. Uh, he owns Bigelow Aerospace where he's been working on a space shuttle that goes to the moon. So I'm friends with the son of a very affluent billionaire here in town. And I have been ever since I landed foot here in Vegas. And I remember sitting down at an Easter bruncheon with Mr. Bigelow. And it was right when I got involved with multi-level marketing. And he always took an interest in me. He was one of those guys that just, that intrigued me and, and something about me he must have liked. And he, he always took an interest and took time to talk to me. And, and I, and I loved that about him. And he asked me, Michael, what are you up to lately? And I told him I got involved with multi-level marketing. I was a little reluctant to say those words because of the stigmatism that lives and surrounds and whirls around this profession. And he looked at me and he said, good for you. He said, that's a great profession. And I know a lot of people who have made millions and turned it into fortunes. So for me, belief in the industry, when a traditional businessman who's earned billions of dollars signed off on the industry and I met a, a legend of the industry, that was all it took. So if you really had to ask me, what is the main reason? My belief level is so strong. There's not a person on the planet that I can't talk to or won't talk to because I feel they deserve to have a chance to have their path changed the way mine was changed 13 years ago. Wow. And I love the story of Bigelow. What's his full name, Bigelow? Robert Bigelow Sr. Very cool. And you were, you say you were friends with his son? Yeah, his son. I first met his son when I was training for the National Football League. And I, at the time, I was in really, really good shape because all I did was train for the NFL. I had zero body fat, basically. And and these guys were pretty impressed with my, my physical shape and condition. And, and then the billionaire's son, Bobby Jr., I became his personal trainer. So that really, that really is what launched my personal training career 17 years ago. Very cool. You know, that reminds me of um, when I first started, one of my big impacts. It's, it's almost like similar to your story. Now it's as incredible as your story. But I met this guy who owned, who was worth probably $50 million and owned like a whole a huge media empire based on martial arts and stuff like that and who's in Calabasas, California and I was just starting out and you know he never joined he never purchased the product but he took me out to a $200 lunch I thought that was like a lobster lunch in Sherman Oats and he just told me he supported me that you know because I was just not like he's in his own words like I was just not like the rest of the young kids just happy to get a job but I actually wanted to do something and wow. he supported me. I remember that was like a huge impact on me. Just, just like the way you shared. Because, so once I got like, it was kind of like the endorsement of like someone who's like a really successful. Then when you reach these negative prospects that make fun of you, you're like, forget that, right? Because, because Mr. Bigelow said it was good. And like, yeah. Mr. Bigelow supported me, right? That's very yeah. cool. I think, I think that's the importance. Do you agree that when people prospect, they should reach out to the successful people first? As opposed yeah. to like the, the uh, you know the people because a lot of times people people sponsor down right but yeah. for you like you you were sponsored you were exposed to top people what's your thought about that yeah I mean people people go where they're comfortable right I mean that's that's where people are I think John C Maxwell says it best in his book the twenty one irrefutable laws of leadership he talks about the law of the lid. And this doesn't exactly answer your question, but when he talks about the law of the lid, he basically says on a scale of 1 to 10, whatever your leadership level is, well, that's who you're going to attract. So if you're a level 5 leader, 
You know, you're not going to attract a, attract a Robert Bigelow or a Richard Call or a Simon Chan. You're not going to attract those types of people. You're going to basically attract who you are. And I think that boils back down to the law of attraction. You know, we are who we surround ourselves with. But when it comes to recruiting, I think the I think that most people will recruit people they're comfortable recruiting. I think most people can easily recruit a waitress or a bartender or any kind of food server or anybody in the food industry because they happen to be there. You're already engaged in some type of a conversation, so it's kind of simple. But um, you're hitting on a major, major, major point, as you know, Simon, because you're a legend, and I've done my homework on you, and I'm overly impressed with who you are. You obviously have a knack for recruiting people um, that are level 10, level 9 leaders out there. And, and yes, you're, you're getting at um, what I think is the most important thing, and i got to remind myself of it from time to time because – I tend to have a a save the world mentality in this profession, and I don't think it really serves leaders in this industry to go out there and recruit people who aren't at a stage in their life where they're even attractive enough to go out there and build a business. There's a growth process and a personal development process. So a lot of the best of the best in this industry, including yourself, I'm sure would say uh, recruit up or, you know, go after the best and forget about the rest, unfortunately, happens to be a slogan I've heard quite often. Is that something you've preached? Yeah, definitely. You, you know, you you go out there and look for the successful people first, uh, because another thing is the, the successful people. Whether they, they may not join, they may not buy your products, but they're never negative. They'll, ne- they'll never say something that's hurtful or offend you, right? They'll never make fun of you or be negative because, I mean, they're not that type of person. That's that's just that's just not something you do for networking. You don't do those type of things, and that's why these people are successful. Hey, um, you talk about the four beliefs, so. Obviously, you had a really rock solid belief because you the way you're brought in. But how do you what? How do you increase your belief in yourself? I think that's the main one that stumbles distributors. What advice could you give for that? Man, I feel like I should be asking you the question you're asking me because I'd like to hear your answer. But if I had to give my answer, Simon, I'd say uh, work hard on yourself. I think your your image is important. I think your your mindset is important. Your your emotional health is important. I think your physical body and your appearance is important. And I I think belief in yourself will grow when you yourself grow. I think that's why this profession is so big uh, and and closely attached to the personal development industry because you know when you grow and you change the things all around you change i i'd say that's the best answer so for for me it's a daily conversation i have with myself you know i'm i'm a few pounds overweight now okay mike will get in the gym cuz when people see that you're fit and you're healthy especially if you happen to be attached to a a product or a company that has anything to do with health or wellness or appearance then obviously the the better you look the more attractive you are the more people you're going to attract um, and I think the same is true for your mental state. I think a lot of people struggle with their their mindset, and I'm I'm one of them. You know, if you it's a constant battle that you got to have with yourself to to think positively and and read the books and grow as a person. So I'd say that that would be the uh, that would be how you can attract more people. You know, uh, transitioning to that uh, belief and constant battle of uh, doubt. You know, lack of belief. I think that's something that everyone faces, but we just it's not like we there's some people superhumans that don't have that. Everyone has that, but we just know how to overcome it through, like you said, personal development, your associations, the people you're with. So related to that, take can you take us because you know the success is all like it's a like the entrepreneur journey, like Darren Hardy talks about the emotional roller coaster. Can you take us to to your worst moment in network marketing? 
because we heard that you did really well. What's the worst moment? What happened? And what did you do? And what are some of the lessons you learned? <laughs> uh, I read that question when you were prefacing this interview, and I was like, "Uh oh, I don't, I don't really know where to go there." There's, you know, there are the emotional roller coaster is what usually knocks people out of the industry. I, I've told people a thousand times I've I've wanted to quit every single day in this business, and even even when I broke six figures a month, there was time throughout that month where I wanted to quit, and that's just crazy talk because the business is not easy. It's simple. But um, the worst moment in my career, I would have to say I was, I was with the company that I helped take to $50 million in sales. And here we are at our, our national event in November of, of um, I think it was 2007 or 2008. And um, 90% of the room were people that, that I helped put into that room. So I built the majority of the company. And the owners were... Um, were um, were somewhat jealous people of the success I was having, which is crazy because the success I was having was directly correlated to the success they were having. But they gave me about five minutes of shared uh, stage time with another leader. Um, and then at the end of the event, they actually asked me to leave the event because of something I said in those two and a half minutes on stage, which was just to simply dial the entire room back onto what was most important, which was focus on the products that we currently have versus uh, versus get excited about the products that the owner was up on stage talking about what we were going to have. I, I learned a lesson in the industry. You never talk about what you don't have. You talk about what you currently have, especially at national events. So I felt that the energy of the room needed to change back to everyone focusing on what our current product line was, and uh, the owners didn't agree with me. So I actually got asked to leave the event that I helped build. <laughs> that was a that was a tough pill to swallow. Well, and eventually, uh, you know, uh, other things happened at a company, right? And the, you kind of kind of expand on the conversation we had yesterday. Uh, some not so desirable things happened, and you left the industry for a little bit. Left the industry for for seven years. Yeah, I stayed out of the industry for seven years, and um, it was a tough seven years because when you go from living the lifestyle of a successful network marketer and you know making a hundred thousand plus a month. It's difficult to go back to civilian life and even think about doing other things. I really wasn't qualified to do anything else in the business world other than network marketing. It was the profession that I learned and and um, and loved and enjoyed. Uh, but for me, I, I was searching for a company, um, one that I could believe in enough. And, you know, when you get burnt in this industry or in, in any time you get burnt in life, you, you don't want to repeat history. So I was very, very careful in uh, my selection that took me seven years to re-enter the industry. So I have to ask this question for those, especially for those who are new in network marketing and listening to this. It's like network marketing is supposed to be so much better. It gives you security, at least in a lot of presentations, financial security, you know, away from corporate America. But then, then, then we hear stories like what happened to you. Right. There's some people may think, well, network marketing, what's the difference? Why network marketing may just be like corporate America. Michael is earning all this hundred thousand a month, six figures a month is no joke, and lose it all. So what would you say to those people who say like, hey, you see, network marketing is just like a job? Well, no, that that nothing's further from the truth. And at the end of the day, you know, you, you can point your finger at all the reasons why things don't work, and usually those fingers are pointing right back at you. I I can tell you um, that this is nothing like a job. I mean, where else can you work hard, you know, eight, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day or part-time, uh, work for six months to a year or two years 
and create a residual income that's going to pay you whether you work or don't work for the rest of your life if you find the right company with the right products at the right time, as you have. I know your story now. So there's, there's nothing like a job here. I always tell people, if you're going to work on something, it might as well be something that can create a residual income for yourself. You're going to, if you're going to work eight hours a day on something, why work on a job where you get paid for your time one time uh, versus working on you know a network marketing business where you'll get paid for the rest of your life? Granted, in the beginning, for the average person, the money is not going to equal the money of a part-time or a regular job. And I think that's the holdup for a lot of people. They're like, oh, Simon, come on. You've been doing that thing for three months now, and you're only making $242 a month. That thing doesn't work. But you stretch that out over to a year and then and 18 months and 24 months with the right kind of dedication, and you'll surpass their check in no time. Yeah, I know. Uh, I remember when we were talking yesterday how in network marketing, I mean, for the listeners out there, um, Every time there's a lot of money, there's always going to be a lot of good people and always a couple of bad apples, right? So whatever happens, it's just nature. It's like the, with network marketing, whether it's uh, in real estate, stocks, in professional sports, there's a lot of shady stuff going on in professional sports. I mean, and then network marketing is just like anything else. It's created by humans. Humans are sinful. They do good things. They do bad things. So, But the, the beautiful part of it is, you're giving you a chance, like Michael says, to really create something for yourself. And even, I think one thing, Michael, like, just talk about how much have you grew, grown because of that. Even though you started from, had to start from scratch, you're a completely different person, right? What would, what would you say would be the biggest things you changed, how network marketing has grown and groomed you? God, that's, uh, I'm, it's night and day, Simon. I, I always tell people, if, you know, if the industry didn't pay me a dime, it was worth it because of the growth that has taken place because of the industry, because of the profession, uh, just the books I've read and, and the mindset I have. Now, granted, it doesn't mean life is perfect. It doesn't mean things are, are peaches and roses because, you know, as you advance yourself and as you grow as a person, and especially when you start making money, there are more obstacles and more challenges uh, that are coming down the pike. You know, making money for me is easy and Keeping it is now the hard part. So the new area of my life where, where I'm focused on personal development is when I make this next fortune that's about to come in, now it's about keeping it. Whereas I don't think most people even fathom earning a fortune in the first place, so they're not worried about keeping it because they're too busy you know, working a job and earning minimum wage and just getting by and putting money in their 401k, and they think that, that that's where they should be. But uh, the growth has been, has been astronomical. Can you please tell a story of your time, your journey, where you had like a major aha moment? You know, take us to that time during your journey and uh, kind of like the light bulb went off and then your business really took off. Um, that's a great story, actually. I met with a friend of a friend and her name was Jody. And uh, I, I had been mentored by Mr. Call for months at this time, probably about three or four months. And things were going well. The business was growing. But I remember he said, he said this one thing over and over again to me. He said, he goes, Michael, ask people how they feel about life. And I remember feeling really awkward asking people, hey, Simon, how do you, how do you feel about life? And he used to say, Michael, trust me when I tell you, ask them how they feel about life. And he used to say a couple other things, you know, ask a person where they are today and where they're going to be five years from now if they don't do anything different with their life. He said, get a, get a person to take a good look at their current situation in life before you show them any products, 
before you do any presentations, talk to people, sit with people, get in a living room, get in a coffee shop, and just talk to them about life and ask them how they feel about life. And what he was ultimately getting at with me as his protege was, everyone thinks that this business is all about doing a good presentation and having a good pitch and being able to talk about the products and all those things. He said, it's not. He said, everyone can do those things. He said, but you got to find out where a person is in their life. And more importantly, they have to know what their current situation is in life before they can look at an opportunity and take it seriously. And I remember I was with this girl, Jody, and um, I brought her to a presentation at my two-bedroom apartment at the time. I was just starting to build the business. I was broke. And I showed her a presentation, and I remember looking at her, and the whole presentation went completely over her head. And then the person who I edified and helped me do the presentation uh, came up on the computer screen with a video face-to-face communication. That was the company I was with years ago that possessed that technology. And when she found out that that man on the screen was a video producer in Hollywood, she wanted to know how she could become an actress. So when she took an interest in becoming an actress, this gentleman, Todd, said to me, well, have her come down. I'll give her some pointers. So I brought her down and we talked about her becoming a famous actress and model and all those things. And at the end of the day, you know, she knew she had to get in a little better shape and do a photo shoot. And my friend Todd would help her become an actress or a model. And she asked me if I would if if I would help her get in shape. So I'd forgotten about introducing her to the business. And now I just said, you know what? I'm a personal trainer. I'll give this girl some pointers. So one night we went to a hill late at night, about eight or nine o'clock at night. There's a, a big grass hill out in Vegas that I like to take a lot of my clients to. There's nothing better than running sprints up a hill for your legs. And I took her there. And after a great workout, we're driving home. And I said to Jody, I said, Jody, how do you feel about life? I figured, you know what, Simon, what do I have to lose here? I'm going to practice, right? Yeah. And she said to me, what do you mean? I said, I go, listen, you're a school teacher, and I just want to ask you a question. If if you don't make it as an actress or a model, and you're still a school teacher in five years, how are you going to feel when you wake up in the morning in that same situation? And she kind of gave me a nasty response or a look. And I said, do me a favor. Tonight when you go to bed, I want to ask you, I want to, to ask yourself a question. If you don't make it as a professional model or an actress, how are you going to feel about your life? Just, I mean, because you're a school teacher and I know I hear you complaining about that. I just want to know. Well, Simon, she called me up about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning the next morning. And this was an aha moment for me beyond any other aha moment I've ever had since I've been in this profession. And she called me a, a mean name. She goes, you're a jerk. But she called me a worse name than that. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she wasn't that good of a friend of mine. She was a friend of a friend. I go, where do you get off calling me at 6 o'clock in the morning and calling me a name? And she goes, well, I'm just mad at you. I'm not serious, but I am serious. I'm mad at you because last night I went to bed and you had me ask myself a question. How do I feel about life? And I don't like my life. My life stinks and I'm sick of this. And I hate being a school teacher. And I said, well, I wouldn't want to send my kids to your class. And um, anyway, I said, Jody, if you really want to change your current situation in life, I have a meeting tonight I'd like to bring you to. I'd like you to take a look at what I'm excited about. And I believe... That if you get involved with what I'm doing, you could be in a different situation five years from now, regardless if you make it as a singer or an actress. And that night she came to the meeting, Simon, mind you, the same exact presentation I showed her a week before. The presentation didn't change. It was still me doing the presentation instead of one-on-one, which is a better exposure. There was a group of about seven people there. And she jumped up before the presentation was over with her credit card in her hand. And she was the first person to sign up for $2,000. 
So what I learned in that aha moment was we all think that we're sharing a product and a company and things like that with people. But truth, what you're really sharing with people is an opportunity for them to change their current situation in life. And if you focus on that before the product and the presentation, then you have a chance to get them to join. And if you don't, I think your numbers are going to be much less. Wow, that is one of the best lessons we've had on ML Nation after 170-something episodes. Thank you. It's uh, the story. It's all about, you know, it's like there's a saying, there's never a bad prospect, just the wrong time for the right prospect. And, you know, you can wait for the prospects to change by themselves, which can take a long time, or you can ask questions like what Michael just asked, how do you feel about life, and get people to start thinking. And really good. Thank you for sharing that. It's, I think it's very inspiring. Something I would, ML Nation, I would go back and replay, hit the f- rewind button a couple of times and replay that. Because that is really, because it's kind of like you have to, you know, before you sell them the solution, you got to sell them that they have a problem. And that's basically what Michael did. Made this Jody realize, you know, where she was at life and she needed to make a change. And once she was, you know, once she saw that, she could see the same presentation, but a totally different result. Yeah. Really on, top that, on top of that, Simon, I, I had a chance to build some rapport with her versus just pitching her. It was it was more time spent getting to know her. And I, I think the more someone gets to know you, if you're a good person, the more they're going to like you and listen to yeah. you and then believe you. So I think there's a lot of things tied up in that story. Yeah, because you, you were a great story. Yeah, because you were like basically didn't even care where she joined. You were helping her out with the workouts and all that and really caring about her as a person instead of a prospect because she was not even interested already. But you still spend time with her. And that's huge. Yeah, that is huge, and and I'm sure you say the expression all the time. People don't care what you know till they know how much you care, right? Yeah. So uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Ta- let's talk about this term that you've coined called path changers. Uh, what is the path changer? What is it about? And and also the book that you're writing about. Path changer is um is my my lifelong pursuit, and it it's always been ever since October of 2002. Um, to back up 37 minutes on this call, I, you first asked me to share a little bit about my story um, and how I got into the profession. When a gentleman by the name of Warren Rosegreen walked up to me at the gym back in 2002, he was a complete stranger to me for the most part. I knew who he was. He did not know who I was. And when he approached me and literally introduced me to those millionaires, and then I took on this profession and put my whole being into it, well, I became a multi-million dollar earner and I've experienced financial freedom uh, to a certain level. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a multi-multi-millionaire uh, because I'm not, but I've earned millions of dollars and I'm going to do it again in this profession. Um, but I point back to the fact that a perfect stranger harnessed the power and the courage to open his mouth to another perfect stranger and, and change his direction in life. And in about 2005, I happened to be presenting to about 250 people in an audience uh, at a local hotel in Vegas. And... Um, it was a group that I was building at the time. We, we put in over 13,000 people in less than 12 months. And here in Vegas, we had weekly meetings that were two, three, 400 people every single week. And I remember the day like it was yesterday, I said, Warren was my path changer. And as soon as the words left my lips, I walked up to the front row. My best friend was sitting there. Her name's Charmaine Hornick. And I said, Charmaine, I said, write down path changer. And she said, why would I write that down? I go, just write down those two words. I'll, I'll get back to you later about it. It was a complete epiphany for me. And, um, and I said, path changer. That's what this whole profession is about. We have the power to change people's paths. And what I've learned since that man changed my path is valuable enough to share with 
complete strangers or people I know and everybody in between. So Path Changer for me is is um, is my mission. Uh, publishing the book and getting that that coining that term and getting that that word out there to the world that you have the power to change paths yourself and if your path needs to be changed uh, think about your current situation in life and how you got to where you are and if you're not where you want to be it might be because you haven't opened up your mind long enough maybe you haven't opened your ears long enough maybe you've been negative when people have approached you with businesses and opportunities and ideas and maybe you have a, a, a negative mental attitude that's prevented you from allowing your path to be changed. Um, I could talk about it for hours, but in a nutshell, Path Changers, I'm very excited to get the book out there, to get the stories out there. And I plan on interviewing maybe even people like yourself, Simon, if you'd be willing to share your Path Changer story. Who's the person in your life that introduced you to, to multi-level marketing? And, and who are the people in your life that changed your path? Yes, very. I'd love to do it. When does this book plan to come out so we can link to the show notes page? Well, I've been writing it for quite some time now. I'm currently in the midst of of writing the, all the chapters and really formulating the book. I'm hoping that by August the book will be released. Awesome. Hey, Mike, we can talk on and on and on. Especially, I love your accent, your Brooklyn, your not Brooklyn, your Buffalo Italian accent, and your stories. You're an incredible storyteller. I think ML Nation. That's one thing to pay attention to. Too. The people who have made like six figures, like Michael, six figures in a month. Incredible storytellers. That is a skill that uh, you need to work on. Michael's incredible at that. Uh, but we got to kind of wrap up the show, Michael. Some really quick questions to pick your brain. Okay, and these could be really quick answers. Um, the first one is. What is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? I've got a lot, but I think um, at the top of the list is in order for things to change, you have to change. Yep. I like that from Jim Rohn. Uh, what is one habit that's helped you become successful? Um, treating every day like Groundhog Day. Getting up early and, 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 and when your feet hit the ground at 5 or 5.30 or 6 o'clock when you're in a real building mode and you're attempting to to do something that most people are, are don't have the nerve or the courage to do, I, I call it Groundhog Day. And mm. I think uh, setting that alarm and getting up by 5 or 5.30 every day when you're in a building mode is imperative. So get up early. It's a pr- pretty simple one, but um, it's a powerful one. Uh, do you have any specific routines? I love routines because successful people are about habits and routines. What's your morning uh, ritual routine like? Um. Uh, the routine actually is something that I'm working on, but when I'm in a building mode and my head is down, um, I get up first thing in the morning. I get to the gym when I'm doing things right. I got to get my workout in uh, right away. Otherwise, I know I'm never going to get it in because once my mind gets going and the day gets going, forget about it. You, you just The things that you need to do the most, you forget about. So get a workout first thing in the morning and then get back to your desk and sit in front of your Sit in front of your schedule, make sure it's full. And if it's not full, get on the phone, start filling your schedule book. And I still have a regiment where I don't use digital technology. As a matter of fact, I attempted to shift over to put my schedule in my iPhone, and I just don't like it. I'm the type of person where I have to have one of those old-fashioned planners in front of me, and I got to start writing, penciling things into the book. For me, um, you can say what you want about technology, but there's some things in life that just shouldn't change. That's one of them for me. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Yep, sign up and don't quit. Yeah, that's good. Sign up and don't quit. That is absolutely the best advice I got from Richard Gall. When, when I first sat with him, I said, sir, what's the secret to this profession? And he said, there are no secrets. And he eventually let the cat out of the bag. He said, if there was a secret, it's sign up and don't quit. I he like right. that. 
And what's your favorite prospecting tool? So say someone's interested, a prospect's interested, do you uh, send them like a link to an online video or do you do a webinar for them or do you invite strictly, do you do a three-way call or do you invite them strictly to a home meeting? What do you do? You know what? This is changing, as you know, Simon. This industry is changing in 2016. Uh, but even 10 years ago when I built my last company, we had a website that basically had me on a video with enthusiasm, excited about the product and the opportunity and in the first month, we launched that website with that presentation and some other information and training on the site. We had 795 hits. By the 12th month, we had 2.2 million hits. So that was one of the claims to my fame early on in, my prof- in the profession was I leveraged an online video for everyone in my team, including myself, to utilize. But at the end of the day, I'll take a three-way phone call over anything. Do you have a favorite app on your phone or online resource like a Dropbox or Evernote that you could recommend? Yeah, it's MLM Nation. <laughs> Aside from that, you're good. <laughs> I mean, hey, you're talking about giver. You've been mentioned. You kept on mentioning MLM Nation to me throughout the show. But aside from that, um, you know what? I I I don't. I don't have a favorite anything right now. I'm working on our Path Changers app right now as a ubiquitous. Uh, teaching and mentoring app for people of all professions. So it's not path changers is not going to be geared towards network marketing. My vision and my mission is to have the concept and all the teaching and training that wraps around the concept of embracing the power to change people's paths. Um, that is, that is the tool. And that's the tool that I'm working on with a, a famous video producer and director by the name of Joe Kenimore, who launched a gentleman named Eric Worre's career years ago. So I'm excited about that. What's one book you could recommend to ML Nation? Think and Grow Rich by Dr. Napoleon Hill. Awesome. And uh, ML Nation, you're listening out there. I know you listen to, uh, you love audio because you listen to the show. If you haven't read it, you can get amazing free audiobook at MLMNationBook.com. Okay, that's just MLMNationBook.com. Go there and you can claim your free audiobook. Now, Michael, here's the last question, the million-dollar question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan. A quick question. If you want to overcome the fear of prospecting, fear of rejection, definitely check out my sponsoring workshop. It's a free webinar I do. It's offered a couple of times a week and also a couple of times a day for those who are in different time zones and countries. We can learn basically the self-talk and the scripts that I use and the closes that I use to build a six-figure residual income business that still pays me today. I also was able to sponsor over one person a week, actually for two and a half, three years span, over 80 people a year for that span. And that really was the foundation to create a six-figure residual income for me. So I share these secrets. I share the scripts and also the closes, especially the clothes I use to get like a diamond director in my business now. He's a stay-at-home dad. There's this three-question clothes I use that would definitely help you out. Check that out. Go to sponsoringworkshop.com. Okay? It is intense. It is a little long. So get your notepad. Pay attention to it. It is free. Sponsoringworkshop.com. Here's the million-dollar question. Imagine you had to start all over again and you knew no one. So your contact list was zero but you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. So you're kind of like an alien that went to another planet. You don't know anyone, but they spoke English. What's the first thing you would do or the first place you'll go to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch? I would put on a, a nice shirt and a pair of slacks, and I'd walk out my front door, and I would go where I would normally go every single day. I, I teach people to prospect when you're out, to network when you're out, not to go out to network. So... Obviously, if, if I was brand new, didn't know anybody, I was brand new, dropped in the middle of a city, 
I would, I'd probably have to get a job of some kind and, and I'd have to go to the dry cleaner and the grocery store and everywhere else. And I would build my entire network around where I'm going to go anyway, because I think it's very uncomfortable for people to go out and prospect. I think it's easier to prospect when you're out. As we wrap up, do you have any last words or advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect and contact you? Uh, Best bit of advice I would have for anybody out there in MLM Nation is, is once again, to sign up and don't quit. Uh, that, that quote, that when I got in the industry, that was all I had as a training manual. I had nothing more than that. So my advice to everybody is you're going to want to quit. I don't know anybody who's been in this profession that, that it didn't get difficult for. And I think sometimes you're, you're just right around the corner from success or you're working hard on yourself and you're just about to crack that confidence barrier that you need to attract some people or that belief barrier that's going to make you more attractive. And I think if you're constantly in pursuit of moving forward and you don't quit on yourself, you don't quit on your team, you don't quit on your company, the grass is not greener. Everyone thinks that when things get tough, then jump ship and go to another company. That is not good advice. If you chose the company and it's a good company, stick with them. Don't uh, have a 20-year network marketing career where you're with 20 companies for one year. That means you had a one-year career 20 times. Have a 20-year career with one company like Simon Chan and build yourself a a six-figure residual income check um, that people will talk about for generations to come. So that's my advice. And as far as the way people can reach me, I would say just on Facebook. I keep it simple. My name is Michael Vincent Zappia, and you can find me on my personal Facebook page, I refuse to promote anything associated with the company that I'm building on my Facebook page. I don't use Facebook, my personal page, as a tool to prospect or recruit anybody. If I meet my personal friends and family, I pull them offline to share my business, and I keep it very professional like that. So I I think you'd be more than happy to share with anybody my Michael Vincent Zappia Facebook page, Simon. And then pathchangers.com. Um, I wouldn't send anybody there for another couple of weeks because the site is basically under construction right now. But in a couple of weeks, that site's going to be raring to go with free videos and free information on how to change people's paths. ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you'll be hanging out with Michael Zapier. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and type in Michael. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L. You see Michael Zapier there. And all the show notes and nuggets of wisdom will be right there. And definitely reach out to Michael. It's an amazing story with tons of experience in the MLM profession. Definitely reach out to him. In order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So, Michael, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thanks again, Michael, and God bless you. God bless you too, Simon. Thank you. Hey, ML Nation, for those who are busy, I know you have tons of books to read, but you're busy, don't have the time. Here's the solution. This is what really helped me out was audiobooks. Okay, I still remember some of the big books that – Huge impact on me when I first started, like the Power Focus. I got them on audiobooks. Uh, that's just the name of one of the many, many books. Think and Grow Rich was another one. And right now, MLM Nation, you can get a free audiobook okay, at MLMNationBook.com. When you go to MLMNationBook.com, you see a special offer for a trial and your free audiobook. So check that out. And basically, you know, if you, especially if you're a slow reader, don't have, hard, have a hard time paying attention. Audiobooks that really will help you learn the process. And you get to learn on your downtime, whether you're doing dishes, walking the dog, really, really good resource. So check that out. Get your free audiobook at mlmnationbook.com. 
ML Nation, a quick recap and review from an amazing show from Michael Zapier. I love the way he tells stories, stories, stories. And I've always talked about this. If you want to make more money, be a top earner, you have to learn to tell stories. All the top earners are really excellent storytellers. All right, so let's go right into some of the main things. Number one was the first lesson, right? I didn't even quote that. I don't know if you quote that, but it's about focus, focus. At one point, he was doing too many things. He wanted to do a little acting. He wanted to do music. He wanted to you know, play for the NFL and end up doing nothing of them. Okay, so focus on one thing. If you're doing network marketing, focus on that. Don't you think about, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of real estate. I'm going to do a little bit of stock market. I'm doing a little network marketing. It doesn't work. Now, you could do all of those things, but not all at once. Give a good five years in network marketing, and then you can go five years in the stock market, and then you go five years in the real estate. But take one thing at a time, because uh, if you end up doing all everything, you end up doing basically everything really crappy, really poorly. So focus, focus. Second thing is Michael kind of gave you a script what uh, Warren Rosegreen shared with him, right? Number one was, uh, were you reaching out a co-market? He complimented him, right? Second thing is, do you love what you do? Third thing is, hey, my friend of mine is starting a business. We're looking for sharp and smart people like you. Would you be open to learning something, right? Really quick, you can go back and rewind it. And that's uh, what Michael talked about, path changer, right? Changing. If Warren Rosegreen never approached him, who knows what will happen to Michael today? He'll be still, probably still slaving away being a trainer at a gym. And I think that's what this industry is about. It's like changing lives, changing path, uh, how I, my path got changed, how I was able to impact others, right? And the person that brought you into business impacted you by sharing. And that's why you cannot be, you know, not tell people about your business because you never know whose life you're going to change and never prejudge people as well. Related to what happened there was the six degrees of connection. How from Warren introduced a friend that was a millionaire to introduce someone that was a multi, multi, multi millionaire, right? The connections, the connections, and that you know ultimately uh, means those successful people build up Mike's beliefs. Michael's four, you know, the four beliefs: believe in yourself, the company, the products, the profession. Uh, Mike had huge belief, and he did really well. He bought him 20, 30 people in the first, you know, two, three weeks in the business, and he didn't even know that was. Uh, good because he didn't know that most people struggle. It wasn't until you talked to that guy, the marketing director, Mark, that he found out that he was doing really well. And, you know, Michael also made it happen. He got challenged to bring 50 people in. He brought 60 people into the business. Another point I want to emphasize is that Michael talked about um, how he's the friend of Bigelow, right? The uh, Robert Bigelow Sr., you know, billionaire, very successful. He owned all these hotels. And when he told him what he was doing, he said, good for you. He knew a lot of people who made tons of money in network marketing. It really reminds me of Curtis. When I met him in 2005, he said, Simon, like, I support you because you're not being like all the young kids there just happy to get a job. You're doing something for yourself. I'm telling you, that I still remember. I mean, it's been 11 years. I'm still sharing that now, right? Sharing that on air to the public, to millions of people listening to this. Huge impact on me. That's why you have to talk to successful people first uh, because normally they're ne- never negative. Because if you're negative, it burns, it hurts the relationship. And successful people know networking is important. They don't go negative on people. It's the people who don't realize how important negative is. I'm sorry about that. I mean, the people who don't understand the importance of networking, that's why they're negative and they put you down. So uh, make sure you talk to successful people first. And if you want to know how to approach, approach them the proper way, again, check out my sponsoring workshop, sponsoringworkshop.com, right, for training on that. It's a free training. Um, Moving on, you know, when you grow, everything around you grows. Always focus on self-development. You know, Michael talked about being down, self-doubt, negativity, want to quit. 
I love it. He's the real deal. Maybe he's from New York. We like that. I always ask people, if you never wanted to quit the business, ML Nation, if you never wanted to quit, you know what? You just haven't worked hard enough. Because you got to be working hard, bloody, sweaty, and frustrated to where you want to hate the business, quit the business. Hey, that's when you're close to success because that is what it takes. And But instead of quitting, you know, you go through, what, what do you do? You work on personal development, the people around you. That increases your self-confidence. It's, you know, like Jim Rohn says, as you grow, your income will grow, right? So working on yourself uh, is the most important thing out there. Other major lesson he shared, I love Michael shared a story about Jody, is um, ask people what they feel about life, okay? Because this business is about connecting people and seeing they know where they want to go. It's really basically getting people, selling people that they have a problem before you sell the solution, right? Because if your prospects don't think they have a problem, don't think they need to change their life, they'll never join the business. And Michael's, you know, thank you, Michael, for sharing that. Great advice. Ask people where they feel in life. And if you keep doing what they're doing, will they be happy where they are five years from now? Because the two big aha moments there. And yeah, really good show. Sign up and don't quit. I love that. That's the quote. Sign up and don't quit. Uh, two other things. Path Changer. Definitely check out. Reach out to Michael. Go to MLNation.net. Put in Michael. The last name is Z-A-P-P-I-A or it's Z-A-P-P-I-A for those who are overseas. Zapier. Connect with him. Awesome guy. I love the way he does Facebook. He doesn't put company information out there because he creates curiosity. You know, he uses Facebook to build, you know, real connections and then he shares the business opportunity later on. His Facebook is not like a commercial wall, commercial feed, just with his company stuff. He's very, very good at that. Definitely reach out to him like that. And uh, sign up, don't quit. We talked about it. And reach out to him. And MLM Nation, thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And share this with the MLM community. Remember, we're like a path changer. We're all path changers. We're out there changing lives. So that's why you can't hold back. You never know the next person you share, you have a major impact on them. If Warren never shared with Michael, who knows where Michael would be today. So thanks again, Michael Zapier, for an awesome episode. And one last shout out. Thank you for Brian Perez for connecting me with Michael. You know, all network networkers, uh, connectors. Brian connected me and then it took a while to follow up. And once I got to know Michael, I said, hey, I need to get him on the show. So thanks, Brian, for connecting. And thank you, ML Nation, for listening. And remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.